0: Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Please visit audiblepodcast.com forward slash dissonance pod for your free audiobook download.
1: Kurt Cameron then denounced evolution, saying that the theory contained huge gaps. Science has never found a genuine
0: transitional form that is one kind of animal crossing over into another kind, either living or in the fossil record. And there's supposed to be billions of them. Now, what I'm about to show you does not exist. These were actually created by our graphic artists, but I want you to keep your your eye out for this because this is what evolutionists have been searching for for hundreds of years. All right, and if you find one of these, you could become rich and famous. So here's some transitional forms. This is called the crocodile. Can you see this? Crocodile and a duck. All right, let's try another one. This is the bullfrog. Half bull, half frog, or, of course, the sheepdog. (laughs) Be advised that this show is not for children, the faint of heart, or the easily offended. The explicit tag is there for a reason.
2: cognitive dissonance every episode we blast anyone who gets in our way we bring critical thinking skepticism and irreverence to any topic that makes the news makes it big or makes us mad it's skeptical it's political and there is no welcome at this is episode 74 of cognitive dissonance this is our movie review spectacular cecil yeah <laughs> well, I don't know how spectacular it's
3: going to be, but we uh, we we are going to be reviewing a movie we're going to have George Hrab on later on in the show to talk about. Actually, pretty close on the show here. In a, in a couple of seconds, we're going to have him on. We we are hearkening back to the old everyone's a critic days here, Tom.
2: We, we are. We're getting back to our fucking roots, man. I mean, I feel like, well, I feel like we're getting back to our roots. <laughs> That's what I feel like. <laughs> and it, mm-hmm. I, it's, it's amazing. We used to do
3: the thing on everyone's a critic, which is actually no longer available, by the way. So if you're looking for it, um, I think they took the website down because I stopped paying. So <laughs> it's fucking gone at this point. Yeah, they do that. Yeah, it, turns it turns out, out they don't, don't pay for that shit. They take that shit off the air. But uh, but we used to do this thing called Turkey Month, and uh, and what we would do, we would pay. We we basically would model it off of uh, off of Mystery Science Theater, which was every. Thanksgiving, they would do a full 24 hours of Mystery Science Theater on Comedy Central. They called it Turkey Day, and you basically just watch bad movies the entire day, and and people would make fun of them. Well, we took a a page out of their book, and we we started every November for the entirety of the show, I think, Tom. We did two bad movies every... Every year during November and then during December we gave ourselves gifts because they were so bad most of the time. And we reviewed a lot of really bad movies and a lot of bad science movies. The Happenings, one of them, but the other one is What the Bleep Do We Know is another one that we we reviewed. And the movie we're going to be reviewing a little later on is Monumental.
2: Which in Everyone's a Critic days we watched two and reviewed two. This movie's so bad it takes the whole show. Oh, yeah, the whole thing.
3: We have a special guest, Tom, a guest who's been on the show before, a guest we know and love and our listeners know and love. It's George from the Geologic Podcast. George, thank you
4: for coming back. How could you possibly... No one love me and have me watch this film.
3: <laughs> <laughs> we only hurt. Wait, what kind of fr- what kind of
4: one sided
2: friendship is this, <laughs> gentlemen? We
3: we only hurt the ones we love, George. I guess yeah.
2: so. <laughs> it's a friendship based on a lot of physical distance. <laughs> is that what it is? Yeah, there's a couple thousand miles between
4: you. Well, you could probably hear me screaming this afternoon yeah. when I watch this 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 turkey. Yeah, so it yeah, was,
2: it was it was
3: it was a lot of fun to watch on everyone's end. We all watched it separately, so this should be interesting to. Uh, to get your takes on it before, because I know the audience, I'm sure the audience, has not sat down to watch this direct to DVD gem <laughs> that is monumental. Uh and we have. So I've got to give a little background about what this movie's about. So I'm gonna try to be brief. Um and so basically what it is is Kirk Cameron fist fucks American history. I think <laughs> I think that is kind of a really sort of one-line. You know, this is exactly what it's about. But, but you know, if we're going to get a little deeper into it, basically Kirk um, and his wonderful five o'clock shadow set out on this quest uh, to, I guess, learn about history of religion in the country and... He talks about the debt in the beginning for some reason, and then he he loses it and decides to go find the pilgrims. He talks to an English woman about the Puritans who eventually become the pilgrims. Then he talks to some guy who looks like Maury from Goodfellas, complete with the ascot cap and the leather jacket, who talks about a statue for about 45 minutes. Then he talks to the discredited (laughs) author, David Barton, who tells him it's a Christian nation. Then... He goes and talks to a guy at Harvard, and they say that Harvard used to be more religious, and then at the end of the movie, Kirk talks to about seven people right in a row, nobody really that notable, including Todd Akin, the legitimate rape, uh, former or soon-to-be former congressman. And then we end with some sort of gobbledygook at the end with he's not sitting back anymore. Does
2: that, is that kind of the movie in a nutshell, you think? You actually added more cohesion in your summary than Kirk was able to manage throughout the entire course of the hour and 40 minutes of this godless atrocity.
4: I, I had a one-sentence uh, summary of the film as well. My my one-sentence summary was, we need to revert laws and government back to the church because statues.
2: <laughs> are you, George, you, you and I, and- I are going to get along great during this interview. Yeah.
3: <laughs> You win. I think that's really it. That's uh, pretty much it. That's yeah. pretty much it right yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. there's uh, there's definitely a, a lot of statue loving in this movie. Um, we're going to start out. Uh, I'm going to play a clip of Kirk Cameron talking about uh, King James here, and then we're going to talk about a
0: little bit about this here. King James. And this guy was a tyrant king on steroids. He's the one who actually invented the phrase... The divine right of kings. He bankrupted his nation, he tripled the debt, and he considered himself to be a devout Christian while he was obsessed with hunting down and destroying the most devout people in his land. One of the things that fascinates me is knowing that once the Bible was translated into English and given to the common man, That changed everything because they started thinking for themselves. They said, this is what the word of God says. Therefore, church ought to be like what God God says. It should be not what the king says. And the king himself is a man who is under authority (laughs) of the king of kings. And he too must abide by the law of God. Okay.
2: (laughs) Listening to Kirk Cameron in that clip... Struggled desperately to wrap his tiny, malformed brain around simple concepts <laughs> that he still manages to fucking bungle. But you could hear his brow furrow. You know, you could you could hear the seven brain cells in his head desperately churning overtime to form words in, a, in some kind of a sentence. That shit is a god... It's an abomination.
4: It's it's beautiful that the name of your show is Cognitive Dissonance because it, it is it is a textbook example right there that in essence, you know, we're going from one oppression to another. Yeah. And he's saying that, okay, isn't it great that finally this text could be translated into English and then the common man could read it and think for themselves? Like... Right there, the idea of thinking for yourself <laughs> is anathema to religious thought. Right? <laughs> so he holds those two ideas in his brain while he's talking about the pilgrims. The, well, the the the, the Puritans, Puritans at the time. Yeah. They weren't pilgrims, pilgrims yet. Yeah,
3: I, You know, one of the things I think I like the most about that, but, you know, obviously Kirk is struggling. And this is, I think, I think this this clip is is. Uh, a great example of, of the rest of the reasoning That is used in this movie But there's a great bit in there Where he's talking about how that king Bankrupted his nation Was ch- was lots of money in debt And was a Christian But was going against other Christians I wonder who he's subtly taking a
2: jab at With <laughs> right. that, you know You know, little known fact King James was also black yeah. <laughs> And his middle name was Hussein <laughs> It's so ridiculous. You know, the, it, like you said, cognitive dissonance, George, he's, you know, at, at the one side, he's, you know, espousing this idea that like, well, now the common man can think for themselves and do exactly what they're told. That's what the, that's exactly how you think for yourself is you do what you're told, not by the king, but by the book.
4: Right. Let but the book b- tell you how to think for yourself.
2: Right. Right. That's that. And that'll help you get to the yourself part without including any of yourself. Or any actual thinking. But the whole movie is like this. The whole movie is like a a conglomeration of half-formed notions that that contradict themselves in the same fucking sentence. (laughs) In the same – the man can't spit out a single sentence that doesn't seem to have some kind of contradiction. The other thing about that, like the King James, it's like, well, I mean, clearly any thinking person who is thinking for themselves would listen to that and say, well, that's why you don't want religion involved in your politics. Right. That is a textbook example of why you don't want a religious leader as a politician, as driving your uh, political machine, because as soon as you hand it over, well, then you've got the potential for religious abuse and somehow he escapes that snare. Probably because his mind is too small to be caught in it. <laughs> I don't know if his mind is too small or it's
4: just he, he had, the preconceived notions are done. The, the, the result he's going for is already, it's finished in his brain. He knows where he's heading with this. He is not on an exploration of discovery. No. So it's not it's not that he's dumb, it's not that he's whatever. It's just he's he knows where he's heading. He knows what conclusion he wants to come to. It's it's antithetical to any kind of actual research or any kind of actual discovery process. He knows what the end result is gonna be. So he's just going to fold and mold and shape any touch of information he might get to conform to his already preconceived ending, his preconceived notion, his preconceived decision that he's made. He didn't even have to travel to these places. That's the other thing that's so amazing is, like, he wants to learn about the Puritans, so he goes to England. And the information he gets, he could have gotten on Wikipedia in the first paragraph about (laughs) Puritans. Did you know that they were on a boat? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, yeah, great, yeah, it's great, man. Yeah. It's it's a cool story. Yeah, they, it's quite it's interesting, actually. But what does that have to do with what what we're talking about here? I also love the fact that in the in at one, I looked at the time because at one minute and forty two seconds, the first person you see apart from Kirk Cameron is the legitimate rape Aiken guy. Yeah. <laughs> That's the the very first person you see apart from apart from Kirk, and it's like, okay, here we go. <laughs> this is where we are. You
3: know what you're in for at that point. Yeah. There, you know, that's, that's interesting that you say the uh, when you said um, that he's, he knows his conclusion already uh, and he's just trying to work there. What this is then is the intelligent design of history. You're, you're, oh, you're basically absolutely. intelligently designing history. You're saying, okay, well, we know our, prem- we know our, our conclusion and what conclusion we want to get to. So I'm going to line up all these fake premises to try to get you there and and i right. really think that you know when you start with the pilgrims um you know i guess I, I guess the biggest question i have for you guys is okay so what does it matter what the pilgrims were does it does it matter does it matter to us today that the pilgrims were uh like Christian? I mean, because we are not all descended from the pilgrims. Right. We're a, a nation of immigrants.
2: No, no, no. The Americans that count yeah.
5: <laughs> are descended.
2: <laughs> <laughs> See, that's that's the part that you're missing. I also have to take exception, Cecil and and George. You guys both missed, you know, there's, there's clearly he's on a voyage of discovery. You can tell because he's tying yeah. that <laughs> string around the nails. And that's symbolic of the voyage. And you must have missed yeah. that. It's very subtle. Yeah. He only shows you that same image. 47 yeah, times it's, it's, during yeah, the movie. So I know you may have yeah, missed that. Yeah.
4: And I thought he was just redecorating his, his basement. <laughs> he's
2: pounding
3: hammer, and then nailing, <laughs> and then he's wrapping his copper wire around it as he's, tra- he's traipsing around the globe trying to find, I don't know, Jesus? I'm not sure. But seriously, like, like we're nation immigrants, right? So what's the, what's the big deal? Who cares? what? If they were Muslim, who would care?
4: It's not even that. It's like, okay, well, that's one American experience. Like, fuck Jamestown. Yeah. What did they? What those guys know? You know? Or any of the other colonies that were sort of developed over time, or the the fact that he talks about, you know, 150 years later is when the founding fathers started doing their work. So this is like a century later, and and it just seems it's just a convenient. Uh, I don't want to say coincidence but there are elements to the story of people escaping oppression people who are completely into different kinds of oppression and they're totally fine with it like I wonder how many of the puritanical uh, ideas Kirk is okay with in terms of like not allowing his wife to, you know, vote yeah. or read or, you know, leave the house or talk. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, there's <just laughs> all of these, like, puritanical rules that, you know, he's holding up the Puritans as this pure I- American ideal. And if we can revert to this pure American slash religious ideal, everything will be fine. But it's like, how many, how many things that the Puritans were into, like, do we find completely abhorrent? nowadays and it's most of it
2: what? but it's pure it's right in the word pure pure <laughs> yeah. it is like, you must again it's, it's all about cats <laughs> no they the, the, the per water
3: filter <laughs> <laughs> the tins. that's
2: what they <laughs> <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs> it's funny because and you know it it it's this idea of of the golden age you know it's it's this idea of the of the grand and golden age and that's what kirk's i think his whole yeah, I was chatting with Cecil about this online a, bit, a little bit today because we were trying to figure out what the hell this movie was actually supposed to be about. And it's, you know, I, 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 I agree fundamentally that his idea, um, his idea, not mine, is that, you know, America has lost its way, that we're, you know, in all heaps of shit and that uh, if only we had some kind of roadmap or blueprint back to the golden age back to the gilded world that from whence we all came the eden that from, from where america uh, sprang um the only problem is that never existed that the premise is fundamentally flawed at its outset that there there was no golden age that there was no better time to be alive in america what what when was it better to be alive in america you know, this idea that we're going to go back to the Puritans and, well, that's going to solve all of our problems. Well, yeah, unless you're not a wealthy white male. Then it's going to actually exacerbate every problem you could conceivably have. Right. Also, you can't drink the water. <laughs> I think it's interesting, too, that, you know, like he's talking about one
3: belief that the, that they had, that they were Christians, right? They They show up and they have one belief that they're Christians. But we're not talking about all the other beliefs that they had. I mean, they probably didn't believe in a germ theory of disease, let's say. But we've thrown that out. We've said, okay, well, that's not something we're going to you know, we're not going to believe in the fucking humors anymore. We're going to actually think about medicine and science or whatever. And it's 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 this picking and choosing of which beliefs you want to go back to. Just like you said, George, there's this there's this feeling like there's a lot of things that they did that were, you know, uh, misogynistic. But we're not gonna roll back the misogyny. Right. We're just gonna roll back the things that we're gonna pick and choose.
4: Well you nailed it. It's 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 the myth of the golden age. I mean, even before he starts his journey to find, you know, information that will that will fit perfectly with his preconceived premise, he talks about the state of the US and how it's the worst it's ever been, how teen pregnancy is the highest it's ever been, and suicide rates are the highest it's ever been, which is factually incorrect. <laughs> like much of this I movie mean, at the
2: start of the thing it's yeah. just wrong it's
4: just those that's that's wrong like teen pregnancy is the lowest it's been in a long time and suicide is the lowest it's been and 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 you know a, a, a pregnancy and all it's just like no abortion are the rates are low and it's like <laughs> you're 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 beginning preamble before even aiken shows up to to ruin the whole first yeah. two minutes of the film <laughs> is just incorrect so he's trying to go back to something like you said that just doesn't exist never existed yeah
2: wait it's it's funny when you're you're two minutes into the movie and everything is already wrong, yeah, like yeah you've started, started out, yeah you haven't even left the you haven't even left the yeah. dock yet it's when it's it you look at this and I was thinking about this earlier it's like i I hesitate to call this a documentary because it doesn't contain any facts or document anything yeah <laughs> it, it's actually other than the fact that it's a fucking moving picture show. Yeah. It's barely even a movie because it commits the egregious sin of being not only inaccurate, but painfully boring yeah. in its inaccuracy. Well,
4: I got to say, when, 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 he, when the woman that he, that he goes to see to talk about the Puritans, when she's talking about their experience, that was actually interesting, historically interesting. And I had never known the details of their story in terms of like that they first went to Holland and then they came back. And then I didn't know those details. And that I got to say, that was interesting. But the whole time I was saying, and yeah. what's the point? And yeah, this but. is a movie about the history of yeah. Puritans? No, the, po- the point of this film is to supposedly put us back on track. So what does this have to do? What does this 20 minutes of, of Puritan and Pilgrim history have to do with us? And it doesn't have anything to do yeah. with us. Apart when he gets to the final at the end that they had the Mayflower Compact, which is okay.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I felt too. It's
4: like, like okay, dude, they
3: signed a thing. Awesome. Like that is not a thing that we really pay attention
4: to. Yeah. Right. Which like if, again if you if that's your point and, and you're gonna be you're gonna be wrong about yeah. it, fine. Like say, hey, <laughs> and they had this Mayflower compact, and that's and that's what the United States is based on. That's right. incorrect. But if that's your point, why would you wait thirty six minutes until you say that? Ineptitude. Ineptitude is the reason. Speaking of something that is
3: egregiously boring, I would like to play another clip from the movie. This is where they're talking about the statue.
6: Here, they could train them and you see the lady here in the statue of education and she is opening the word of God or the book of knowledge and she has got the wreath of victory she's wearing, about a 25-year-old woman. She is educating her children and she is sitting in victory. Why is she sitting in victory? because she has trained her children up in the way they should go and prepared them so that the next generation that came after them would know the strategy of how to carry on the truth and carry on a free civilization. Isn't that amazing? And and what's on her side over here? Over here, you see her training her child and she has uh, a book in her one hand and then he has a scroll where he is writing on the other. And this is youth trained in their youth. It was the parents' responsibility to educate, and so this would be the mother training up a child in the way he should go.
0: You know what I think is interesting is that. they had just left England and left this this top-down government system. So when they got here, their idea of education wasn't send your kids off to a, uh, a government school to educate them. Uh, it was the parents' responsibility to do this, particularly because their worldview was different than the government's worldview, which would have been, no, you're a nobody, you're a slave, you just lay down on your back and do whatever the king says, which is sort of the attitude that we get in most governments today is that you just do whatever the government says, whereas they're saying, no, it's our responsibility as parents to educate our kids and to teach them faith and internal morality and to understand the importance of fair, just, and merciful laws.
4: Yes, when the pilgrims got to the shores of what would become America, they didn't want to send their children to government schools.
3: (laughs) (laughs) They didn't like the lunch program they had at the government (laughs) schools. I want to talk, first quickly, what does this clip say, George? I'm going to ask you this, George. What does this clip say about women's roles?
4: (laughs) It's very good. It's a very good point. (laughs) Of course. Well, the woman has to do what, what we say, what the guys say to begin with. And then it's all about being at home, educating Sort of protecting the the tradition, not being on the forefront, not educating themselves either, no. but educating the kids in the way that the that the that the fathers tell them to, the way that God the Father and then the father the father tells <laughs> them to. It's a <laughs> great point. Yeah, this I, I love also that like all these figures are seated, and he's talking about being seated in victory. <laughs> like, what have you ever seen? Like, you know that really. Dramatic painting of someone being victorious while seated. feel <laughs> <laughs> like the French Revolution poster with a woman with a big flag she's waving, you know, and she's sitting. Yeah. What? Sitting in victory? That's a okay. That's a good one. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Also, uh, the, he calls the main guy Liberty Man, yeah. which is like the first superhero ever. <laughs>
3: I was thinking the same thing and I was like I don't even know that that superhero would be able to like fight crime in that outfit anyway. Right. Yes. Yeah, I mean it just looks it looks a little too revealing especially for these Christians that are watching it. That's true. That's Tom, true. you had something to say about this whole statue scene.
2: I hate this scene so much. This might be the dumbest thing that's ever been filmed. This <laughs> is really might. And the, the the problems with it are are legion, but I'll start with the fact that Wandering aimlessly about a statue and pointing out various metaphors that you're explicating as you go does not, in fact, prove any point. Metaphors, by definition, are illustrative, not conclusive. So you cannot <laughs> prove a point with a metaphor. A metaphor, it, it cannot do that. So wandering around a statue explicating the statue's various pieces and deciding well this stands for this and this is this person as George said seated triumphantly in victory <laughs> or <laughs> gloriously sleeping in victory and <laughs> reclining in, in <laughs> agony it's it's it you can't make a point that way you know you could never you could never say well you know I'm gonna I'm gonna defend my uh, views on good and evil by discussing the metaphor of the river in Huck Finn. Like, that's not you, maybe you'll use that to illustrate a point, but that will not ever, in fact, make a point. It's, that's just not how they work. And the fucking statue came like 150 years after the pilgrims. The, the preceding scene to this, he says something like well, if only they had, the, the pilgrims had left us a blueprint. If only they had left us a road map so that we knew what they were thinking. And then he's like, ah, but they did. Fast forward to a statue built in 1880, not by the pilgrims. How did, what? But, <laughs> and it again, work. also built in 1880, where it's like,
4: how much of the stuff from 1880 do we believe today also? Like already that's 100 years removed from the, well, 150 years removed from the pilgrims, 200 years from the pilgrims, but it's 100 years from us. What do we still buy into from 1880 artistically as represented in people with lion manes you know, over their shoulder?
3: <laughs> what, one of the best parts about this is they keep saying, and they say it throughout the entire piece, because it's where they, they, they keep on making this point or trying to make this point, fumble-fucking their way around to try to make this point, which is top-down morality isn't a good thing top down morality. And I kept saying to myself like what is the bible then? Like that is the fucking definition of top down morality. But they what they want to say is well it's top down if it's you know somebody who's above you who's a you know a man, but if it's god it's okay. And like you're saying that's that's total cognitive dissonance. Like we fought, you're talking about top down morality as if it's an evil and yet you're you're aggrandizing it through the statue and through all these different pieces of religious history you're pointing out
2: well people don't know god's a top yeah <laughs> i mean god's just he's a top and that's you know listen when you're when you're getting it with god you're the bottom man you that's better just be. how that shit plays you out better
5: be yeah and you might and you if might want to
2: like it may, maybe it's saturday you've both had a couple of drinks yeah. maybe you want to kind of mix it up no way <laughs> No way, God is a fucking top. And and bring a lot of lube.
4: That's all I'm saying. Just a lot of lube. You know what else I love about that sequence is the guy that is describing all this. He comes from he 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 works at a place which is guilty of the inverse proportion of the inverse proportion rule of naming. He works at a place called the World History Institute. <laughs> Which is sort of like, you know, New York Bagel Shop. <laughs> if some place is called New York Bagel Shop, the last thing you're getting there is a New York Bagel. Uh, so he, he works at the World History Institute. Yeah,
2: the World, uh, History. Uh, World History Institute, George. Don't you remember all those people who got their degrees at World History Institute? Of course, <laughs> it's like it's like Super Learning Mall. <laughs>
4: I have a degree from Super Learning Mall. <laughs> went to upstairs
3: medical
1: college (laughs) (laughs) Uh.
3: there's a part of this too where they're walking around the statue and he says and here's mercy and this is how we should be merciful and I kept thinking I'm like mercy like say universal health care type mercy is that what we're talking about
2: no good point yeah, like all of God's mercy in the Bible. Yeah, like particularly when He was merciful and drown everybody. Yeah, or when He was like, "Hey, don't turn around and look at the city. I'm fucking up, or I'll turn you into a pi- oh, pillar of salt." Yeah, yeah, you got salted. I fucking mortensed you for nothing <laughs> for the sin of curiosity.
4: Yeah, that happened during the uh, during the Puritanical speech where they were t- the woman is talking about the fact that the the man got on a boat and the boat went out and there was a huge storm and they were stuck in this storm for whatever, seven days or, and then they all prayed and the storm stopped and they were saved. I thought like, yes, please Lord, save us from this storm that you have sent to destroy us. (laughs) And I picture like the storm ending, and them walking out up on deck and being like, "What the hell was that all yeah. about?" Oh, wow. I love too that they wait seven days to pray. They
3: don't yeah, get really. that shit out of the, out of the way early. They're not like they're like wait. God's going to end this on his own. He doesn't need a subtle reminder. Right. Let it roll.
4: Let it roll. Yeah. Should we now? Should we? No, not yet. Not yet. How about now? No, no, no. Another day. Another day. It's been four days. No, I know. One yeah. more day. I got a feeling. Yeah. It's one more day. And I'm thinking it's going to be all right. All right. All right. Today? You know, I said one more day, but I'm really, I'm thinking like maybe two more. Two more. Day. You enjoy puking. Is that is that some weird yeah. finish? Is that what you have? You enjoy vomiting? Is that what this is about?
2: Well, they had such a surplus of food uh, on the boat, I'm sure, that the vomiting wouldn't have yeah. presented any problem you know god, god doesn't know yeah. you don't want storms unless you ask nice and you probably have to ask on yeah, the Sabbath but that's nice. what you didn't because it's seven days so they probably set sail that's uh, right same, and then they had right. to wait to the sabbath to ask nice because that's on the Monday, that you got like a yeah. like a prayer megaphone
3: so we're going to take a quick break really quick and then we're going to uh to jump right in for the rest of this movie so stick around
2: so, Cecil, this show is uh, brought to you by our sponsor. And by brought to you, I mean partially paid for. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully. Yes. <laughs> by Audible. And you can get your free audiobook from Audible by going to slash dissonance pod. And uh, one of the books that you can get there from there is The Moral Landscape by Sam Harris, which you and I. Have both listened to? Yeah, so we sorry. both we both listened to it recently, and I've got to say,
3: if you're looking for a book that uh, unapologetically goes after the idea that the only way to be moral is through uh, through God and uh, and tries to look at the world, uh, the moral world through a scientific lens, this is the book for you. This is a book that also, Tom, throws cultural relativism right out the fucking window.
2: Oh, my God, it curb stops cultural relativism in the biggest way. You know, this is a this is one of my favorite books. I I actually uh, listened to this book about a year ago, give or take. And then I re-listened to it again recently when you and I were talking about it. Um, I adore this book. Sam Harris narrates it. It's absolutely worth your time because it doesn't Take much of your no, time. No, it's
3: really short. It's like uh, Seven hours long and you Can get a copy right now. I mean, if You're not an Audible subscriber You can go to our website And on our website is a link It's on the main page of our website. Click it And go there. You, If you Sign up for Audible, you get a free audiobook Download. You can download, say, The Moral Landscape. Uh, or you, if you Don't want to go to our website first, you could just Type it in your browser. Uh, that's AudiblePodcast.com slash Dissonance Pod.
7: This is one of the rarest books in the world. This little book right here, really delicate. It's done in 1782. This is the first Bible ever printed in English in America. They printed 10,000 of them. There's 22 left in private hands. This is one of them. So, one of the rarest books in the world. What's cool is this Bible, the Bible of the Revolution, was printed by the Congress of the United States. So, Congress printed the first English language Bible. They said in Congress that this Bible is, quote, a neat edition of the Holy Scriptures for the use of our schools, end quote. So the Founding Fathers in Congress printed the first Bible in English and they did it for the use of schools? I didn't think they wanted the Bible in schools. That's what we hear. That's what we've been told. That was uh, discredited author
3: uh, David Barton. I think his name's David. Who cares what his fucking name is? <laughs> um, but anyway, his last name's Barton. Uh, and he's talking about uh, the revolutionary Bible. Now, before I, I, I toss this over to one of you, I want to talk a little bit about some of the research I did today to look up to see if that statement that he makes is accurate. But
5: wait, and wait, I before you do
4: that, hold on, hold on one second. You have to set the scene here. Because you have to okay. realize that that Kirk <laughs> Kirk is on this journey of discovery, okay? And Kirk right. wants <laughs> to know about the Puritans, the pregenitors of the Pilgrims. He wants to know. So what does he do? <laughs> he goes to England. All right. Then he learns that they went right. from England to Holland. So he travels to Holland. Now he realizes that they, once they became Pilgrims, they went to New England and to uh, and to what became Plymouth. So he travels to Plymouth. Now Kirk has all his information. He's traveled to London. He, he's traveled to England. He's traveled to Holland. He's traveled to Plymouth, Massachusetts. And now he needs to learn about the founding fathers and the. <laughs> Things that they've written, so he's gonna go to Texas.
2: <laughs>
6: <laughs> well, that's where we, David we, Barton is
4: exactly.
3: <clears throat> <laughs> yeah, and 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 also to set the scene, Kirk is. A sort of hand on face thinker style, leaning on this table, uh, looking at this very old book that's wrapped in velvet. And he unwraps it. The Barton unwraps it really, really quickly and says, This is a really old Bible. Oh, it's amazing. And he starts very carefully leafing through this Bible. Um, and what I, what I found out today, after looking at a lot of documents that had Fs instead of Ss in them, so it's like Congress <laughs> instead of Congress, uh, they didn't actually print this Bible, it turns out. Uh, they basically had a chaplain of Congress look it over and make sure it was accurate. But that's the extent that Congress had to do with that Bible. Wow. Uh, they, they, it, that, and that line that he says, he says it's, quote, a neat addition of the holy scriptures for use in our schools, that was a line by the guy who made the Bible, the printer Atkin, who made the Bible, not Congress. And it wasn't in any of the documents that I looked at today. So um, so anyway, so first off, discredited author says something false. Big fucking surprise. But what does this scene sort of set the stage for for the rest of this movie, Tom?
2: Well, I mean, it's, it's clearly a let's put the Bible back in our schools you know, I mean, he, he never comes out and says anything, right? It's it's all this it's all this sort of ham-fisted. Uh, um, um, my brain just exploded, and I have no word. It's <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? Ooh, it's ostrich. <laughs> that was not helpful <laughs> at all. It's <laughs> he's just all he. It, it's this sort of ham-fisted insinuation of ideas, rather than ever actually coming out and forming one in its entirety. And you watch this scene, and it 's all, well, you know what he, Congress wanted the Bibles to be in our schools. Congress supports the Christian values. Congress supports you know Christian uh, morals and you know so on, and everybody should read the Bible, so let 's all have a Bible, and anybody who doesn't love the Bible and can't you know anybody who takes the Bible's dick out of the back of their throat for one fucking second is going straight to hell and sending America down with it. Here's an old book, <laughs> David Barton. <laughs>
4: But here's the thing, even if it had been promoted by Congress, how many textbooks were available for education at the time? How many, how many right. readily available printed books existed at the time right. that could be used in schools? Say what you want, at least it's printed text. Right. Whether or not the message is one you agree with, at least you can use it to teach someone how to read. You can teach it to kids. There's enough in there that you can use. Not that they did sort of back this, but even if they did, it's like it's it's equating, you know, they didn't go to the Internet. They decided to print Bibles. <laughs> It's like, no, it's a completely different social structure. It's a completely different economical structure so so that even if they did print these things and say it was okay and say, yes, this should be in schools. So what? So what? He's he's making a huge leap between saying that, you know what? We're okay with you printing Bibles and saying that you need to print Bibles because that's for character building. And that's the way you build, you know, that's the way you build a nation and a foundation for 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 society. It's a huge leap. My favorite thing, though, is that he, he's talking about the opposite. And he says that, you know, he has hundreds of thousands of examples of the founding fathers being religious. And there's only a couple of examples of them being, you know, atheists and deists and, and, and non-religious people. And, and there might be some examples, but, but we have thousands of examples. And he says, what's the document that says the founders had a godless constitution? And I said, the Constitution. Constitution. <laughs> <laughs> why? why? Oh, really? Out of all that we're, yeah. we're looking for statues and we're looking for plaques and we're looking for oars and we're looking for for ship hulls and tobacco boxes <laughs> and anything that might have some kind of information that relates to Jeebus being the way for USA. Why are we ignoring the actual document that these guys created? You want, a, you want, a, you want a, a, a primer? You want a guide? You want some kind of, you know, some kind of thing that will tell you what the founding fathers were thinking? How about the fucking Constitution?
2: <laughs> it's only the most important document, right? Right. It's only the most important one. Yeah, but then you'd have to refer back to what they said. Zero mention of God in it. Hello? Yeah. No. We're, no, we're going to no. talk about the, Mayfler, the
4: Mayflower Compact which is 200 years previous to them because they you know they referenced God in that so that's obviously way more important the influence of the Mayflower compact is way more important and has a much larger influence on the creation of the constitution <laughs> and the actual constitution
2: <laughs> well george when you put it that way it sounds ridiculous you know yeah. <laughs> i'm sure he'll cover that in his sequel confirmation bias yeah <laughs> it's, yeah, I mean, you've you got it, right? I mean, it's it, let's let's not refer to what they, when he says, like, if only they had put down a blueprint, you know, if only they had, well, they, they actually very specifically did, that they, that is a thing. And we use it sort of on a regular basis there, Kirk. We don't refer back to old Bibles and say, well, here's an old Bible. Look, I like how he spends half that clip, too, extolling the virtues of how awesome he is for owning it, right? It's like, this is very rare. There are yeah. very few of these. I've got one. So yeah. you need to be paying attention to me. I've got an old book. And the older the book, the more important the book. Yeah. Yes. As evidenced yes. by its brown pages. Brown pages yeah. are better. It's not on a fucking okay. Kindle, Cecil.
3: So, so it's on sepia. It's the Kindle on <laughs> sepia. So, okay, so even if... Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a premise here. Let's just presume that... That he's right about all this stuff. Let's just say that he's right about, you know, the, the, them, you know, being Christians and making it a Christian nation. You know, even if that's all true, why does it matter? I mean, the demographics of our nation today are very different than they were then. The makeup of the population is just totally different. So, you know, why should we look back then and say, oh, well, we need to go back to exactly how we were back then. You know, we're allowed to change our minds, even if it was
2: true, which it's not. Right. Well, because statues. (laughs) George makes a good point. (laughs) The, the founding fathers, though, are treated as Protestant demigods. They're popes. You know, each one of them is a is a is a Protestant pope as you know, an, an infallible being who set down in fucking tablet form everything that they meant, except for the ones that didn't. We'll just ignore those, you know, because right. that's uncomfortable. But it, it, they're they're treated the founding fathers, all their ideas. It's it's like, well. I mean, so and so the founding father said it, well, fuck me running, I guess I can't I gotta stop thinking about it now I'm done <laughs> I'm, 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 yeah. I mean, put it away. they fucking founding fathers said it a couple hundred years ago it's not really relevant to today's world, but Fuck it. That's what they said. I'm done thinking about that subject. Right. So,
4: again, it's the the genius of these guys that they realized that they were fallible, that they were wrong often, and that history changes over time and opinions change. And so they built it into the system so that you can make, you know, changes and you can modify stuff and you have it with open-ended language so that there isn't, you know, a, a coronation. There isn't some kind of thing, but something like, look, this is what we're thinking is the way things work right now. We might be wrong which is like this beautiful scientific approach to politics which had never been done before it had never been done before to that extent of saying we're not sure if what we think is really going to work so we're going to you know kind of leave it sort of open here that you can amend our ideas because even if we are thinking 500 years down the road there's no way we'll be able to know what people 500 years down the road might think is important or 200 years down the road or 100 years down the road
2: for example Slavery. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Right. <laughs> they There's, were almost not right at all yeah. at all. But I mean, but it was designed so that you could
4: get rid of slavery. Slavery wasn't written into the Constitution. It wasn't it wasn't set up that way. Or, you, or, or even if it were, you could amend the Constitution.
3: Yeah. And that's that's a, that's a huge point that they that they gloss right over is that we thought a lot of things were a good idea. You know, right. women weren't allowed to vote. That's, you know, we thought that was a good idea. There was a couple times in our history where we thought drinking was both good and bad, you know, and we decided to change it twice. So there's a, you know, there's a there's a feeling like we can't we can't ever stray from this path that we've been set on by the founding fathers. And yet they they made it possible, like you say, to stray from it.
4: You could make the same argument that Kirk is making and saying that our government needs to wear more wigs.
1: Yeah. <laughs> because
4: obviously, yeah. back then, they wore wigs. Yes. And that's the problem. Yes. Can't you see? It's, it's fully documented. They it's, wore wigs back then, yes. and they're
3: not wearing wigs today. Right. They're steering us in the wrong direction because of their they pantaloons. Are. Maybe yeah. the real problem <laughs>
2: is, is that we should all have a life expectancy of 39 again. Yeah. <laughs> maybe that. Maybe we should go back to that. Like if we're just going to go back to shit. Yeah. Like let's just go back to that. That's a grand plan. So I'm
3: going to play a clip now of uh, of a guy who's talking about uh he's he's at Harvard but he's basically getting asked the question by Kurt
7: about the United States. A nation that attempts to build a foundation on something other than God's law ultimately will self-destruct. Because you can't live according to the law as man invents it to be. The remnant of God's law continues in America simply because you can't live by any other rules than by God's rules. And you can't discard those rules. For example, we hold people responsible for murder, for theft, even though the dominant view of who man is, is evolutionary. We're only determined by our genes and our environment. And the reason that some people do things that they do is because it's inevitable. It's determined. Yet we can't live that way. Because we live in God's world. Not the evolutionary world of Darwin's imagination, but God's reality. All right, so George, um, we
3: live in... Oh, I love we that. live in... God's world, I know you're not uh, uh, a religious person. How do you possibly function every day in God's world when you get to choose your own laws?
4: I was wondering why I have chest pains all the
2: time. (laughs) (laughs) You can't do it. He said you can't do it. Yeah. The fact of you doing it does not contradict that you can't do it.
4: I'm wondering what's what's God's rules on like how big a gazebo I can build in my backyard.
3: (laughs) They're in the Bible somewhere. He tells you how big is ours. Is it somewhere in there? We gotta we gotta look
4: under gazebo or yard. I don't know which. Like it's in the index. It's all measured in cubits. That's the problem. All all of government is man's rules. The entire every, every single law is 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 man's rules. Even if you do. Uh, suppose uh, that there is a God that has some... I mean, what? <laughs> <laughs> you know, we live in God's world, not Darwin's imagination. Now, how do you, how do you argue with that? I mean, it's so, it's so wrong. I mean, it's not <laughs> even wrong. <laughs>
3: it's, well, it's a, it's a total straw man, because you're basically saying, you know, the human race... Uh, cannot function without God's God's law, and the only law of of evolution or of an evolutionary uh, worldview means that it's like survival of the fittest still, and that neglects the idea that we are social creatures. It completely throws that out the window. We're all only out for ourself. Period. That's the only thing that we can do. And this guy, I know. Mean, by the, the way,
4: way, way, the guy who's talking, Herb, Herb Titus, is this guy's Titus. name? Yeah, and he's, and, and he's a birth... Yeah, hepatitis. Herpetitis <laughs> is this dude's name, and he's a birther. Yeah. Oh, God. He's, born, he's, a, he's a birther. Yeah, he was yeah. More, sort of – he had deposed legislation or something. He, he posed some kind of stuff to – he was a uh, – deposed something. Oh. But he, he – yeah, he was against Obama saying he wasn't
2: born in Hawaii. And um, yeah, complete birther. It's, it's funny when I, when I listen to this and he's, he's talking about how, well, you know, you can't build a society – that's, you know, not based on God's laws. And I'm thinking, like, Norway's doing fine. Actually, that's going quite well. As a matter of fact, most of the Netherlands and Scandinavian countries, they're doing, they're doing quite well. Thank you. Their indexes of happiness are greater than ours. All of their uh, measures of, of wealth and happiness and success are better than ours. And they are aggressively atheistic in, in terms of their—I mean, they're, they're much less religious of, uh, in general— than our population in fact our population here in the states is incredibly religious much more religious than any other western nation which if you accept that as as true which i, I mean it demonstrably is and then you couple that with the initial premise that america's going to hell in a handbasket don't you have to say well i mean can't if we're just going to draw correlations yeah I mean, there seems causation. to be one there. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. That's worth making.
3: Yeah. And 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 you know, he's talking about God law, God's law here. You know, let's talk about the Ten Commandments. Aren't the first three like don't like look at another God because I'm really jealous? Like, isn't that like the first three commandments? There's only a couple in there that are really useful or worthwhile. The rest of them are kind of throwaway. So if we're talking about God's law, there's no law in. In our books right now, that says I can't worship another God. That doesn't exist, but that's the first one, right?
4: Or work on Sunday. Yeah, yeah, right. Or covet our entire our entire economic <laughs> industry is based yeah. upon coveting it's stuff. It's a covet based industry. Yeah, it's a covet based industry.
2: Yeah. <laughs> what he also bags on uh, the material worldview is being deterministic, right? But if God is omniscient. That God knows everything that is going to happen. If everything that is going to happen is knowable, then it must be determined. So if you're just going to fucking stretch your logic train around, I mean, how is a material worldview any more or less deterministic than a religious worldview with an omniscient being?
4: No, I'm just saying that the the conclusion that they come to in terms of this, you know, that they're saying that the U.S. needs to be more religious. It needs to revert back to its religious so that it could be glorious the way it once was, like everything about that is wrong. I mean, the reason that the U.S. has been as successful, I mean, they all say it's the greatest country on Earth. It's the most successful. It's the most successful uh, democracy. it, it, It paved the way in terms of what a nation can be. The reason that that is true is because of its secular nature it was the first time that you had a government that was based upon a secular bunch of rules that were scientific the complete opposite of the conclusion they're coming to and the the fact that you had all of these religious based governments yeah they had kings they had heads of state but they were still religiously based they were still teaching out of that same book all of the all of the the, the kingdoms in europe were teaching out of the same book in essence and the us was formed as something not based on that book. <laughs> and then they were successful. And these guys are saying, no, we need to base it on that book and be more successful like the thing that they went away from because they were being oppressed by kings who believed in the same book.
3: Uh, one of the things about this scene, and we're talking about, because there's a part of this where they're out in front of Harvard, uh, in Harvard Yad, if you will. They're over there, and they look over at this this plaque on the wall or this c- c- cement plaque that's sort of buried in a brick wall, and they're talking about this, m- this bit that Harvard put on the wall, and they're saying, well, they used to be religious here, and now they're not anymore. And I'm like, great. That's fucking Harvard. Who cares? It's a private institution. Who cares whether they were religious before and they decided to drop the, you know, the in God is truth and just go with truth? Who cares that they did it? What is the, what's the point of you sitting in Harvard? And I could not figure that out. Yeah, it's just to say that, again,
4: things used to be more publicly religious. Like, okay, and? <laughs> what? So the sculptor put Christ on the thing, the word, you know, Christie on the thing christus whatever it is okay and and, and what <laughs> that no. means okay i mean they used yeah. to write opera house on the opera houses yeah. and they still do so that one <laughs> that's stuck so that's stuck it should be music based yeah. <laughs> because that's the way it like
1: what oh that's
2: awesome yeah oh, you, you look at that and it's like well I think the only reason that they do that is because they know that the fucking knuckle dragging cretins who are going to watch this movie with with any kind of a credulous eye nodding their heads to the to the music and watching Kirk, you know, tie those little strings from nail to nail. The only college they will recognize by name is Harvard. Right? Because certainly they will not have attended one other than perhaps Liberty University. So there, there is no possible – it's it's using the credibility of the name to make a point that they never actually make, to insinuate a point, to sort of wink and a nudge in the direction of a point which they never come to. Yeah. Conclusions are few and far yeah, between in this Yeah, thing. they are. But it's – it's like, well, let's, let's add some gravity to this. What's a, what adds gravity? I don't know. Uh, just say Harvard. Can we go <laughs> just, to Harvard? Can we look at something in Harvard? Just,
4: well, it's, it's the cake and eating it thing where they want to be able to say, look at this uh, esteemed institution that is hundreds of years old, as old as the U.S., even older than the U.S. They used to say they used to have Christ and God in their motto. But then again, getting back to that cognitive dissonance thing you know what those smarty-pant college people are like. See, they've gotten rid of it. They've gotten rid of the Christ and the God in their motto. So you're both relying on the, the value of the institution and also relying on the fact that it's snooty, you know, Northeast liberals that have ruined it. So, like, they want it both ways.
3: Yeah, and isn't this, again, another subtle jab at Obama because he's from Harvard <laughs> sure. You know, I mean, aren't right. they this is this is I think what they're they're trying to make the case against him without actually saying his name
2: throughout the entire piece. You know, and if you want to torture logic, why not just say, well, <clears throat> you know, they got rid of, you know, in God is truth or whatever it said because it was redundant. If God is truth, one simply has to say truth. Right. Yeah. So, why, say,
4: why say Christ God and then truth? Yeah, Christos yeah, uh, Dios, oh. veritas or whatever. Well, yeah, just have Veritas. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and shouldn't your truth be strong enough yes. to carry Absolutely. through? If you are actually dealing with truth, why do you need to remind yourself where your truth is coming from? Do like, you know, do do people, do scientists have to post, you know, the theory of gravity as they're working on stuff? You know, equations? Yeah. Do, they, do you have to constantly have, you know, equals MC squared over your computer to remind you of, of relativity? <laughs> Yes,
2: George. Otherwise, it doesn't work. Yeah. Otherwise, it doesn't it's work. The incantation, yeah. Yeah. just doesn't happen.
4: The you, rely on, you rely, on the fact that it just doesn't need to proclaim itself.
2: Speaking of things
3: that aren't going to be working, let's let's play Todd Aiken's clip, okay? Ah. <laughs> nice trick. <transition. laughs> you like that, Tom? <laughs> so let me play Todd Aiken here.
6: We cannot put our confidence in just pure democracy to make sure everything is going to keep running the way it is. You have to remember, Hitler was elected with a great majority of German votes. Pure democracy was was not viewed with anything other than skepticism by the founders. They understood that freedom starts at the grassroots level, at the individual citizen building families of righteous new patriots and citizens. That's what makes it work. Okay,
3: so first off, I want to say that Hitler was not elected by a vast majority of people. That's not... Factually true But you know We can't expect Much less From legitimate Rape Aiken But I want to say Also Really quickly too That I uh, even if he was, let's just presume he was. We're all looking at that from the hind. We're able to look at it in hindsight, like, oh man, electing that Hitler guy was a bad idea, you <laughs> right. know. But instead, you know, we're not looking at it as a as a German in 1940, you know, looking at it and be like, oh hey, I, I kind of like this Hitler guy. I think he's better than the other guy, you know. We're totally looking at it differently. But I want to say, I want to say, George, we're gonna go back to you, George. What the fuck is Aiken talking
4: about? How many how many legitimate elections did Hitler hold after he got off? Well, they, they had
3: a way of getting rid of him. It turns out. Yeah,
4: with, with a can of gasoline. <laughs> yeah, cyanide. And, a cyanide pill, yeah, and, and the whole Russian army.
3: See, when when it's not a, when it's not a legitimate vote, they have ways ah, of getting rid of it.
4: Nice. So, yeah. excellent. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's you know I'm, I'm I'm glad that it took almost 80 minutes to get to Godwin's law. You know to, to invoke yeah. <laughs> Hitler. Although in the first two minutes in the montage, there were there were pictures of Stalin uh, like burning because early on in the film, they're going through that bad documentary thing of you say something and then you show that thing. So you say, yeah. you know, the breakup Redundancy. of the family, and then you show an image of a, fa- yeah. you know, a family being broken right. up. Or tyrants, and then you show a picture of Stalin. It's like, because yeah. otherwise you wouldn't understand. Wait. You would have what? no idea. Who is yeah, this? Need, what? Yeah.
3: Yeah, you need a visual representation of everything so that it's, re- it's as redundant as possible. Right.
4: I, I, yeah. I, I love it when, a, you know, at the time, he's a senator, congressman? What is he? He's a congressman. He's a congressman. I, think, I yeah. love it when a congressman, or any politician for that matter... Can talk about how yeah, pure democracy just really doesn't work. Right. That, the, the, thing, the, the thing that I've dedicated my life to doing, yeah. the, the fact that I've decided to become an elected official, you know, it's just it's just not good enough. It's just not good enough. Like, isn't that the gig? Isn't that what you're doing?
1: Yeah. Like, you're
4: gonna <laughs> complain about the government from this being inside yeah. the government? Right. Like George that's like you hating music. I know, yeah. yeah. I mean, I've become a drummer because, you know, I just it, it takes more than drumsticks. You yeah. know, it takes mo- I just it, it's not enough. It's not enough. You, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah.
4: What? <laughs> <laughs>
3: I have no idea what he's even talking about there. And again, jab at Obama. I know that Glenn Beck does this all the time where they talk about, oh, well, Hitler was elected with a mass majority, even though it's not true. But the idea is to say, yes, you can. It doesn't matter that you elected him. He can still be a bad person. And here's how. That's what they try to do this all the time. And I think this is another jab
4: at Obama. It's instilling the idea that God is that fail safe. God and the religion ultimately will be that fail safe and that that will provide you with the morals. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And the problem is, is that historically, (laughs) (laughs) whenever religion and government are combined, like the first thing that goes out the door are morals. Yeah. You know, any any religious organization that gets some kind of power behind it rarely works out well rarely works out well. Tom, what do you think about this guy?
2: I just, I just think it's amazing that the idea that you would have this whole movie centered around the idea of let's get back to what the Pilgrims wanted, let's get back to what the Founding Fathers wanted. Great, they set up a democracy. You know what I don't trust? Democracy. Wait, what? <laughs> huh? You don't trust democracy? You just, you, you just sucked the dick of every Founding Father for the last hour and 22 minutes. And now you're going to tell me, well... But that's not enough. Wait, what? What do you mean that's not enough? That's the fucking premise of your argument. That is what you have built. That's I, I'm on, I've am on. i been on that train now for an hour and a half. And then all of a sudden you're just like, well, fucking derail that thing. Oh, okay, well. And then they don't propose an alternative, right? It's like, well, a democracy is not enough. You've got to have God. Okay, well. Can you, I mean, there's no practical example of that, of course, that's given, right? It's like, well, you just you have to have God. What, does God get a vote? Is he coming down? No, Is he going to propose a referendum? Is he going to be like, well, you know, Colorado said yes to legalizing marijuana, but God has the ultimate veto yeah. and casts a big his chads never hang. There's, yeah. there's
4: never there's never a proposed idea of how this would actually work. I mean, they're implying that families need to be spiritual and religious in order to instill morals within their children, and then those children will be good citizens. Okay, what if you don't want to do that? What if you don't want to believe in that particular God? Or what if you want to believe in another God or no gods or whatever? What happens to those citizens? Are they allowed to be Americans? They never address that issue. They're saying, yes, religion needs to be part of the government and part of the family and part of the education. Okay, but... I thought this was supposed to be this country where, you know, ideas can be exchanged and you can you can be whatever you want to be and believe in whatever you want to believe. And that's never addressed.
3: What is stopping them from being Christians? Like, that's the, that's the question I kept asking myself over and over. I'm like, okay, great. You want your, your wife to stay home because you saw it on a statue and teach your kid about the Bible. Awesome, man. Fucking do it. You're a movie star. Turns out you could fucking do that. But instead, it's just like, well, we need to instill values. Okay, instill them. Who's fucking stopping you? Nobody's stopping you from instilling any fucking value you want, period. But it's like, oh, we've got to instill this, what are you doing here? Go instill your values.
2: <laughs> you're not instilling them fast enough. Yeah. How can you mandate, you know, value
4: installation through a government agency? <laughs> a value installation. <laughs> Downloading values. Yeah,
2: well, And then who would police that, right? Because, yeah. of course, if you're going to mandate it, you have to police it. So then the government would come by and make sure. Now, we don't want a big government. We don't want top-down no. government. No. But if you're not instilling values properly, the government will determine whether your values are the right values and whether or not they're properly installed. Yeah. And if they have to reinstall them, they'll re- – It's like they come by with like a
4: values gauge right. and
3: they just press it up against your melon. He's
4: off the it, charts. Yeah. And yet by every standard that can be measured, people today are way more moral and fair. If you're, right. if you're talking about, okay, can I judge you based on what color your skin is – or which dangly bits you have between your legs, things like that. You know, the idea of a level playing ground, all those stuff. In every way that you can measure it, it's it's a much more fair society, a much more leveled society, a much less racist society, a much less sexist society. Yes, there's still a long way to go in many examples, but for the most part, there's the, the, the advances since, oh, I don't know, Plymouth, have been pretty amazing. <laughs> And and the thing is, is that they just don't like the gay thing. They don't like the gay thing, and they don't like the sex thing. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all. I mean, about. They show yeah. a picture of you know. He says something like you know, what's going down at schools, which used to be embarrassed, now is celebrated. And they show a girl smoking a cigarette, <laughs> oh.
2: <laughs> which you used to be allowed to do in schools in the fifties.
3: Yes, right. and not just that, but like like teen smoking is down so much. Nice. Right. <laughs> It's it's statistically, like, not even a problem anymore.
4: Another example of something which is actually better, yeah. So it yeah. all comes down to you are kind of uncomfortable with the gay thing and the sex thing. That's pretty much what it comes down to. Because in any other kind of way that you can measure it in terms of morality, really, things are way better and they're the best that they've ever been.
3: I mean, but, but George, uh, does this really come back to – I mean, does this really come back to – Maybe they like it a little better when the women didn't have such a loud voice. <laughs> you think? <laughs>
4: yeah,
3: you know. I mean, maybe that's why they're going of back. Of course. Well, let's let's finish this up. Let me let me play uh, what I guess would be Kirk's closing statements. This jumbled mess of a man <laughs> is going to say a bunch of stuff.
0: My questions were answered on this journey. I've learned that the solution to the crisis we're in as a nation, economically, morally, and spiritually, is not to blame someone else. The responsibility to secure freedom for my family lies in my hands. For 400 years, we've had the strategy. We've got the game plan. And it's produced a nation that is healthy and strong and free. And every time we've strayed from it, we've suffered the consequences. The seed that grew this nation was faith in God. That faith produces character. A character that produces great courage. Courage to self-govern. Courage to guide and educate our children in the right world view. And the courage to elect today's liberty men and women who will take the torch from our forefathers. The answer doesn't begin at the White House. It begins at your house. I'm no longer going to sit on the sidelines and do nothing. I'm going to get involved. And I know there are millions who feel like I do. As for me and my family, we're going this way. The way of our heroes who fought against all odds and changed the world. The time is now. Join me, and together, we will secure a monumental future for our children.
3: So, Tom, I'm going to be—by the way, Tom, I'm going to refer to you from now on as Liberty Man. So, <laughs> Liberty Man, let's make—try to
2: help us make sense of these closing statements. Well, again, it's, it's the faulty premise, right? That, I mean, the very first thing that he brings up is America's in a crisis. Um, And as George pointed out, and as as I pointed out earlier, uh, no, it's not. No, that's not. That's not a true. You missed the true in that. But, you know, his idea is America's in a crisis, and what we've got to do is revert back to, you know, his selective dream vision that he's conjured up in this uh, hallucination of a movie about how the world used to be. And it's uh, you, you listen to this, and it's like, well, come join me. And it's like join you? Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> the day I look at Kirk Cameron as my fearless leader peering squinty eyed off into the brave distance uh uh-uh. uh no I have forfeit everything important to me the day that I fucking follow in that idiot's footsteps <laughs> the,
4: thing, the
7: thing is, is that he, within that same so, statement
2: though he says how awesome America is so
7: he says right, there's right, an
4: American crisis right. And then he says, we have to fight for our freedom. And I think, okay, what freedom don't you have? How are you not free? The freedom and to reduce he, your freedoms. Yeah. <laughs> and then he says, you know, that we've <laughs> built this country to be the most amazing country ever in the history of anything. And it's like, well, which is it? <laughs> which, yeah. You can't, you can't have, have both. all those things. I mean, you can't, either we are crappy and we need to get better, or we're not, and it's okay. And you just don't like the gay stuff. yeah that's That's what what it boils down to
5: he doesn't like like gays you don't like seeing your non-wife's
4: boobs and the gay because maybe you actually do like seeing non-wife's boobs and the gay
3: (laughs) yeah yeah it's exactly it i love that he says in there he's like every time we've strayed from this ideal we've suffered the consequences And i'm thinking what what does that even mean There's no point to a point in history where we've suffered the consequences of what you're saying. It doesn't exist. You're making shit up again
2: like you have for the last hour and 20 minutes of this movie. And this is this is such a won't you think of the children moment. Right. Like, won't somebody think of the children? Me and my family, we're going off here to the left. Won't you? Yeah. When you follow us around, well, not to the left, Tom. not to the left at all. Yeah. 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 We are actually going far right, very far right. Yeah, all right,
4: there you not, go. I'm not sitting Christian on the sidelines concert. anymore. You know all those YouTube videos and Ray Comfort stuff that I've been doing for the last ten years. That's you know, yeah. that was sitting on the sideline. <laughs> now I'm
1: really right. gonna get into
2: it. I'm gonna step it up and make yeah. a direct to DVD movie. That'll teach him. Yeah. I used to hold up pictures of crocodiles. No longer. I think it's I
4: think it's an a mistake or a, or a miscalculation to call him stupid, to call Kurt Cameron stupid, because it's the guy's not stupid. The guy is very misdirected, and the guy's very earnest. And I think he he absolutely has you know his kid's future at at, at at heart at you know in his mind. I mean, and in the beginning, one thing that I thought was interesting was he says. You know, my friends that I attend church with, we watch the world, and the world is going to hell in a handbasket. He actually uses that phrase, hell in a handbasket. Um, And some of my friends that attend church with us say, hey, this is great because this means that Jesus is coming. And I say to them, well, wait a minute. I have kids, and I want, you know, the future to be bright for my kids. And I thought, you know what – Again, cognitive dissonance. Like, which is it? Right. Totally. Which is it? Are yeah. you? If you know that God has this plan to bring Jesus back and to have the apocalypse and Armageddon, then this should be exciting on some level. But do you, deep in your heart of hearts, realize that that's bullshit and that you want things to be right. better? So there is this glint of potentiality and possibility and actual thinking that, that could be within him. And I think I think we just we just do a disservice to ourselves also when we just say this is a this is an ignorant motherfucker. Cuz he's he's not. Yes. He's he's not. I mean he's a, he's he he put this thing together and again the conclusions that he comes to are are just completely wrong and there's an ignorance and a sort of a celebration of ignorance which is abhorrent. But I, 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 I hesitate to call the guy just stupid, you know? So, George, you're a musician.
3: What, what did you think about the music in this Yeah, movie? you
4: know, I've never scored a film, and I have incredible respect for it. I don't, I, I've never tried to do it, and, and in the little kind of pseudo back-of-my-mind way that I've thought about, you know, scoring a movie or whatever, it's a very daunting kind of idea. So I don't know the particulars, and I wouldn't want to necessarily call call it out, but it was shit. (laughs) You have to be very careful of, of, you know, when there's a dramatic moment and you just play the absolute lowest note that you can on your synthesizer. You know, it's (laughs) like, okay. And then that kind of rock, rock too. I thought there was a, a little bit of a discord between the historical setting of some of the stories and some of the moments and then the kind of modern rock setting of some of this stuff, but it, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't, I, I have heard much worse music in movies and documentaries that are independently done. So I was, I was, again, I was pleased yeah. at the just recording quality of it. And it, it sure. wasn't too obtrusive. There were a couple chuckle moments where you get drama, drama moment. Oh, bah. yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Or the the twangy sort of westerny rock thing that they were playing over and over. It's almost like there's going to be a gunfight. Yeah, here.
4: yeah. That, it, I think it's kind of going for that Tarantino drama. Yeah. something's about that. Like your your mind's about to be blown, man. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Never did that happen. So, uh, so I'm going to give you guys the floor. If you have any other comments you want to say about this film, I'm going to give it to Tom first. Tom, anything else you want to say? Man, I,
2: I just, I just want to emphasize this: the the, the the premise is just wrong. The premise, the very notion. And I and it really does bother me it bothers me a lot this this idea of going back to that grand old time in America where everything was gay and better and well not gay but everything well, gay. was better no. and everybody was happier and everybody's ships rose in and uh unless you were poor or a child you know a laborer or an african american or a mexican or a chinese or an irish okay fine everything was good for you know everything was there was never a time in america That was better than right now. This is the best it has ever been. And it is likely to continue to be the best it has ever been. Tomorrow will very likely be better than today. That's the way progress works. And I look at this and, you know, I know, George, you said, you know, he's not he's not an idiot. He's not a dumb guy. And, And I think that that maybe you're maybe you're right. Maybe he's not an idiot. Maybe he's not a dumb guy, but he's not intellectually honest at all. He's not even not even a fragment. He's earnest. His heart is in what he perceives as the right place. I think he genuinely cares for himself, for the for, for his country, for his family. You get a sense of caring. You get a sense that this is a guy who would help you jumpstart your car in the middle of the night on the side of the road. But this is not a man who's honest. He is not being intellectually honest. There's no way that he approached history, that he approached uh, the world, that you can't look back at the last hundred years and point to a 10-year span and say, that was better. You can't look back at the last 400 years and point to a 10-year span and say, that was better if I was a poor person, or a black person, or a woman, or a child, or a person who was ill, you know, there it's such a myopic worldview that this movie appeals to that when I watch it, I'm I shudder to think of the people who are sympathetic to it. It's it's a movie that I would discourage our listeners from even watching on YouTube for fear that that it might have some perceived popularity. It is that useless. George, you have any final comments?
4: The thing that that struck me is that the argument that's being made in this film uh, has been made again and again throughout all of history. And, and just like you said, I mean, at every point in history, people think it's the worst it's ever been. And by sheer fact, it's the best it's ever been. So people were making the same argument 30 years ago, 50 years ago, 100 years ago, that things are, things are awful. We need to get back to a more of a puritanical kind of a pure religious thing. We need to get back to what the founding fathers intended. This argument was being made during the Civil War. This argument was being made in the '50s when the civil rights uh, uh, movement was was happening, and it just to, to to presume that somehow this generation is immune from that same kind of lack of vision and understanding is 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 awful. And, the, and and the other thing that really bugged me is that the film, when you look at kind of the box that it comes in, it's it's sort of sold as this is like a real life national treasure movie, you know, with, uh, with yeah. what he's yeah. running around Nick, looking Cage. At the back of Nick Cage, you know, looking on the back of that. It's going to like, we're going to go and we're going to examine documents and, and these monuments. I mean, yeah, it's called monumental. So we're going to look and we're going to find this sort of secret message that has been left to us. And basically he went two places. <laughs> he, yeah. went, he went to he went <laughs> England and then he went, you know, and looked at the statue. Yeah. <laughs> he hit Texas because the guy happens to have a lot of old Bibles. Great. George hosts
3: a podcast called the Geologic Podcast. George, if people were going to find your podcast, where would they go?
4: Uh, you can go to That That's the portal for everything my music, my podcast, everything else. Or just go to geologicpodcast.com.
2: George, thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Yeah, George, thanks for being on. This was a great time. My pleasure. Anytime. Anytime.
3: All right. So, Tom, we're going to burn through some email here. But first, we're going to play a couple of things that we got. Um, we wound up getting something from the uh, A.K.A., the Australian Kookaburra Association. Yeah, we were, we were admonished to it. say it properly, yeah. so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to yeah. give it hell
2: here. Okay, go. Kangaroo.
3: Uh, close. I, I think I, I was close. No. That's probably the closest you've done. I'm going to try now.
2: Koala. <sighs> no, no, no. You're, you're way off. It's pronounced platypus. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so,
6: <laughs> we're assholes. So, you know that? Yeah, so
2: Anyway,
3: we're going to play that. Dumbass sent us a voicemail. Uh, we also got something. We got a a, a song from Carlos. And I want to say straight away <laughs> that if you're listening to this... <laughs> Outside on speakers no, do somewhere, do you may want to put in your earbuds yes. before you play it because he drops uh, a lot of different racial he words. All the bombs. And, <laughs> and I don't mean cracker, I don't mean honky, I mean, he drops other racial words that you might want to, I don't know, put your fucking earbuds in for. So the last thing we're gonna we're gonna end up with here is uh, is an is an e- uh, voicemail from a young atheist who does not leave his name. Uh, we're gonna finish up with that, but there's four of them right in a row for you.
1: Hey Phil, hey there Gilly, what's you up to this Sunday or Monday, depending on when it's uploaded? Well, I'm gonna listen to cognitive dissonance. Cognitive dissonance. What's that? It's a skeptical podcast that I love to listen to. Here's a song about it, guy. Whenever it kicks in, where am I? I think I shit in my beans. the breakdown uh yeah Sway, sway. where my niggas at swag swag yeah where my bitches at cognitive dissonance get your dick sucked when you listen to that shit man get them bitches all up on your dick fuck y'all niggas bro fuck your all niggas bro fuck your all niggas bro bass guy nigga bass guy nigga Sway, swag 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 yeah now you know well i'll be sure to listen to it
5: Hey guys, it's your friendly neighborhood dumbass here from dumbassguide.info. Listen, I have a little something that I want to talk to you about. You see, I've had this tune running through my head for a little while and I couldn't figure out exactly where I heard it. It went like this. hmm. And I just kept on going over and over in my head and it was driving me crazy. I just couldn't figure out what it was. Then I listened to your second last podcast and I realized what the song was. Who's that guy on the other side of the globe? It's Jesus. So, first of all, what I want to say is fuck both of you for putting that in my head. But that being said, there's a little question about this that maybe you can help me out with. Now that I remember what the song was, I can't help but wonder... In this song, is Jesus on the receiving or the giving end of the glory hole? This is the kind of thing that keeps a dumbass awake at night. And I'll understand if you no longer want to have anything to do with me after this, but hear me out. I mean, they say God giveth, right? So, since Jesus is God, maybe he's the one giving the pleasure. But then I got to thinking that maybe there's a clue in the song itself. It starts off with the question, who's that guy on the other side of the glory hole? So the glory hole is working as it was intended to preserve anonymity. But then, all of a sudden he knows, it's Jesus. So what happened to tip him off? Now hear me out. What if Jesus wasn't the one giving, but the one receiving? And the reason that I figured it out was because he was suddenly squirted with holy glowing Jesus seed, and it cured his legacy or something. Then, don't mistake about it, it has to be Jesus. I think I might be onto something, but I thought I'd ask you guys and see what you think. Maybe you can consult Hillbilly God for the answer. Let me know. Thanks. Who's that guy on the other side? God damn it! Oh, I forgot to hang up.
8: G'day. This is Michael Farrell from the Australian Kookaburra Association, a.k.a. Aka, it's been brought to our attention that on the last episode of your podcast, Cognitive Dissidents, that you disparaging used Kookaburra in a bad way. By the way, we nearly missed it because you said Kookaburra or something stupid like that. It's Kookaburra. All right. Anyway, the Australian Kookaburra Association. AKA AKA has had an emergency committee meeting and we think you should apologize to the Native Australian Kingfisher. We consider that your penalty should be twofold. One, on your next podcast, you should cr- correctly pronounce the word kookaburra. It's kookaburra, not kookaburra or something similar like that. Two, you should apologize for using it in a disparaging way. All right, you assholes? Don't do it again, wankers.
5: Hello, Cecil and Tom. This is a young atheist who lives in a very, very, very Christian-y household. And I um, just wanted to call to tell you I love the show. It's really quite wonderful. And also, what would you suggest for people who are young and atheists in very, very Christian households, such as myself? Uh, once again, I really like the show. Uh, hope to see you guys keep doing it for a long time. Goodbye.
3: So uh, let's talk to the to the young atheist first, Tom. Uh, what kind of advice would you give to somebody who's growing up in a very, very Christian-y
2: household, as he says? Nothing you can do, man. Suck it up. Stay at home while they're supporting you. I mean, you, you've got two choices. Stay at home or leave. Those are your two yeah. options. You're not going to convert them to atheism. They're not probably going to soften. Um, you know, if, if you're a young person and you're not financially viable out in the world on your own— you do what your parents tell you to do until the day that you don't need to. Then you go off and make your own life in the world and establish yourself as an adult. I, I really don't see another option. So well, let's talk a little bit about dumbass.
3: Dumbass, thank you very much for listening and sending in a, a voicemail. I will say that when, uh, when that guy says, uh, who's that guy on the other side of the glory hole? It's Jesus. I think you're missing the point. I don't think he's any of the participants. I just think he's a voyeur. <laughs> because God, Jesus I mean, just likes Tom, to watch. God is God is the largest voyeur. I mean, He's watching you all the time. He's watching you touch yourself all right now. If you're touching, which know? you probably are. How did you know?
5: Yeah. He, well, <laughs> I,
3: look, I channel hillbilly God once in a while. No, but uh, but he but he knows. I mean, he's like he's like a, he's like a, a, an old person Santa Claus. He knows when you're naughty and nice to your privates. So. So uh, so I think that's, that's the key here, dumbass. I think you're missing it.
2: I think you are presuming that there's not a crowd watching. Yeah, and, and actually, I think you've got a good point because Jesus, over the last 2,000 years, give or take, has not proven himself to be terribly participatory.
5: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Wanna talk I wanna thank Carlos for uh the song we will not Carlos be using that as a new theme song. But we wanna we wanna thank you for creating it, I guess. And uh and also Kookaburro. That's all I'm saying. That's
2: that's true. Yeah, Kookaburro. Kookaburro.
3: I think that's I think that about sums it up. So we got a couple more emails we wanna burn through, but I wanna talk quickly about a comment we got on Facebook. Someone had mentioned um Uh, This was on our, our page, and I think they listened because they talk a little bit about the show. They said, uh, why don't we, why did we laugh at the person who got nutritional information from their chiropractor and wound up killing their fucking kid? Why did we laugh at them when there's 300,000 people a year die in uh, doctors, regular medical doctors custody or under the supervision of medical doctors? Uh, that number was a little off. I looked it up. It's actually uh, according to Wikipedia, which could be wrong, although they source things out. I didn't check their sources, but it was 225,000 people was the number they were using. But in any case, uh, I looked left a message to tell you why and then you left a novel for me to respond to which I'm not going to write a response to I just want to quickly respond you left a lot of anecdotes there Uh, basically you used to work as a person who uh, who was a a receptionist in a place where they did alternative medicine and you saw people get better, that's I, that's all well, well and good, but that doesn't prove anything. That's not science. That's just anecdotes. So uh, just because some people get better when they think they're being treated doesn't necessarily mean that it actually works. The placebo is a big thing, and there's other things that, that, are, that could be taken into effect that could be misdiagnosed. There's lots of things to take into effect. There's no science behind what you said. It's just your experience, which I really can't do anything with. Um, and, uh, that is, like I said before, there's alternative medicine and then there's medicine. Alternative medicine is the stuff that doesn't work. You said that's a cute statement, but it's a true statement. Um, we use willow bark to get rid of headaches. We don't call it willow bark. We call it aspirin. So there's a, there's a, a, you know, the holistic approach to medicine, um, uh, that pardon me that the natural the natural cures and things that, that we find we incorporate
2: into medicine you know one of the things that she also mentions is that uh, you know it's, it's the old big pharma conspiracy uh, comment that you know if uh, a cure for cancer were to be invented there's too much money to be made in treating cancer for that to uh, leak into the public so it's it's actually more cost effective for cancer to stay untreatable um, I have heard this argument so many times and I and I I dismiss this argument. I dismiss it because it's false on its its face for so many reasons. Uh, the the first of which is let's not forget that the uh, people who work at pharmaceutical companies are still people. The scientists They're who humans. work there, yeah. the researchers, the lab assistants. It's not one guy invents the cure for cancer and tucks it in his pocket and sneaks up to the boardroom and tells the CEO and the CEO shh that doesn't sound. that's, not yeah. how, that's not how that works. Um, It's also not the case that that pharmaceutical companies are the only ones doing research. Universities, of course, do a tremendous, tremendous amount of research, as do some independent hospitals. So research is done. um, And also, of course, all across the world. We're not the only country that does medical research. So this idea that America's big pharmaceutical uh, industry, that complex, is hush-hushing the cure for cancer Uh, It just it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. It doesn't take into account all the other avenues for research. It also doesn't take into account that these are people whose wives and daughters and sons and dads and maybe themselves may develop cancer at some point. And it would be advantageous for them personally, selfishly to get that out. And if you invent the cure for cancer, I'm sorry, I keep going. But if you invent the cure for cancer, all the cities, all the streets and all the statues are named after you tomorrow. Right. Yeah. You can go to any subway and get a foot long sandwich free anytime <laughs> for the rest of your life. You are a hero amongst heroes. You make yeah. Jonas Salk look like fucking Hitler. That's yeah. that's <laughs> what a
3: hero <laughs> Hitler.
2: That's what a hero I, you are at that point. Yeah. So I I just don't I just don't buy that argument. I I don't think it's it's reasonable.
3: And and also, I mean, I think it throws out the idea too. You're saying that only these people are in it. These people are only in it for the money. Obviously, it is big farmers only. Doctors are only in for, in it for the money. First off, that's a cynical worldview. There's a lot of people who get into medicine and medical research to help other people. I know, I know a couple myself, and I don't know a lot of doctors, but I know a few myself. And so specifically, that doesn't make any sense. These are just like you said; they're people. But also, the alternative medicine people are not giving away their services for free. They are charging people, and in sometimes an immense amount of money. Right. This Brze- Brzezinski clinic that you bring up charges people twenty thousand dollars a month for treatment. So don't don't try to uh, you know say that they're you know these saints that are giving away these cures for free. They're not. First off, they're not curing anything because there's no physical proof that they're actually curing anything. And second, they're definitely not giving it away for free because they have house payments and boat payments, and you know, they got to put their kids through college, so they're not giving anything away for free either. So, I don't understand even why that even gets into the conversation.
2: And, and Brzezinski's neoplaston therapies, you know, they are unproven therapies. You can, you can decide Completely. otherwise, but they yeah. are unproven therapies. He has not submitted papers to peer-reviewed journals. He has not submitted his evidence. He's not submitted any of his documentation through the normal channels for research to be verified. Yes, he can't be shut down because he's holding clinical trials. But he's been doing clinical trials now for years and years and charging crazy money for it. It's a scam to make money. These people aren't getting better. If he wanted to to go the right route, he would publish his results in a paper, allow them to be replicated and verified, and get that treatment out into the world. You want to talk about a cynical money-making worldview— This guy is that.
3: I also want to say, too, that this might not be your show because we are never going to stop making fun of quacks, chiropractors, Reiki people, acupuncturists, holistic medicine. We're never going to stop making fun of that because until they prove, until they come out and prove, and we've said this before, if there is a medical journal that comes out and says this stuff is legit, we will fucking eat our hat. But at this point, I'm not going to be uh, not... I'm not going to be pulling punches on a, on somebody who gives gets their their nutritional advice from a chiropractor, even though I don't know exactly what happened between the chiropractor and the patient. It's not about uh, it's not about that. It's about it's about the fact that this woman chose to wait until the very last second to take her her child to a doctor who could easily fix the problem by giving the child an IV. So we got an email, um, and the t- the, the title of it is Atheism, nihilism, Anarchy, and Dolphins. Um. So, uh, Tom, first in the Skeptics Creed, uh, this is a question I had too. W- what the hell did the dolphins ever do to you? <laughs> That's
2: all the fucking dolphin nutters, man. You want to see some weird shit. Google around for the dolphin nutters, man, that believe that dolphins communicate with intergalactic beings telepathically and all this crazy... Oh, come on. Oh, That's what oh, yeah, the dude. Hitchhiker's It's God. crystal no. pyramid bullshit. I mean, it's
3: They don't really think that, yeah. do they? Yeah. you got to Google that shit. That's spectacular. Oh, I'm not going to. Oh, yeah. I've am i had my dose of anger for the night. So are we all nillists in denial, Tom?
2: No. You know, you know, this, this email I'm going to read real quick because um, I don't want to paraphrase... Uh, uh, th- this person is having an argument with somebody. She argues that without a God to deter- defer our morality to, we are like the blind men and the elephant, making choices based on a very limited scope of perception. Once ethics and morality are turned into opinions, they lose their meaning. Uh, I would agree. If ethics and morality were turned into opinions, they would be less meaningful, perhaps. Um, but I don't agree that ethics and morality are a matter of opinion. Um, for a great reason example, <laughs> I would refer you to Sam Harris's book that we just talked about, The Moral Landscape. Yeah. He puts forward an incredibly persuasive argument about how ethics and morality uh, are not relative. They're not subjective opinions, but they, they are real uh, consequences of, of thoughtful decisions uh, made by people uh, with, with an eye toward bettering their world around them.
3: So we got an email from George, uh, not George. Uh, Harab, a different George. George says uh, the title is a profanity. He says, "Love the show. I think you guys are wrong to completely dismiss the impact of profanity. I don't mind it in your show, however, liberal use in everyday interactions severely degrades one image of one's image of others. In short, it is a thing, a very bad thing if not taken seriously. Keep the good work. Hey, I agree. I don't use uh, I don't use profanity when I'm around my in-laws. It turns out because they don't like profanity and they don't say it, and so I don't do it. Um, I don't use profanity a lot of times. If you listen to our show." Sometimes, when there's guests, especially guests i 'm not familiar with i won 't swear i will I will be very careful with it when i 'm at work. I rarely swear once in a great while um, so I recognize, and I think Tom and I recognize that there are there's a time and a place for profanity uh, but I will say clear as day here that I am comfortable talking to Tom and uh when i when i talk to him we just have a comfortable conversation that means i can let my guard down and i can swear whenever i want and i do and that's and that's that's what you're getting so this show while it is a public show is also a private conversation that's what it starts out as you guys get to hear the finished product but it's a private conversation that we happen to share so that's 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 why you're hearing profanity from us and that's why that's why we use it in in great in a great uh Uh, We use it in a great amount because Tom and I are very comfortable with each other. So we want to thank George uh, from the Geologic Podcast for coming on and and doing the show. George has a wonderful podcast called the Geologic Podcast that you can find uh, at – it's dot com. We're going to link to this. Um, George is also a musician, so if you want to listen to some of his music, maybe buy some of his music, um, he sells it uh, through his website. Uh, his podcast, Tom, whenever I listen to it, I am always smiling. The man is an excellent entertainer. Uh, he's wonderful at it, and everything he does on his show is just entertaining. It's just an entertaining show, so
2: if you like George on this show, give him a shot on his show. He's incredibly talented and, and so generous with his time. We're, we're so lucky to have him on this show, and I, I really do genuinely mean that. What a cool guy.
3: We're going to have a show early before Thanksgiving, we hope. So, uh, so, um, so this show's coming out a little early. We're going to put the next one up, I think, probably on Thanksgiving. So uh, so stay tuned for that. And be fucking and, uh, thankful for it. Thankful. You're going to be thankful. You're not going to be thankful for our show. <laughs> That's the one thing you're going to be not thankful for. But uh, but, but we thank everybody. We're sorry we didn't get to all the email this time, but we're running a little long this time. We apologize for the long show. And as always, we're going to leave you with the Skeptic's
2: Creed. Credulity is not a virtue. It's fortune cookie cutter mommy issue hypno Babylon bullshit. Thrust your hands, bloody, evidential, conclusive. Doubt even this.
5: The statements made on this program do not express the views or opinions of anybody, not even the hosts. Any resemblance to coherent thoughts or ideas is purely accidental. Cecil and Tom are committed to minimizing all such misunderstandings.